All right, guys, and welcome back to the Let's Talk Tennis podcast. This is episode six. So if you've been listening to us uh, since episode one, we appreciate it. Um, I'm joined with Marley and Wolsey, and today we have our very first guest on the podcast. And I'm delighted to say that we are here with Barrick Elkins, who is our uh, coach that we had at Young Harris College um, for me and Wolsey's senior year, and Marty for your junior and senior year, right? Right. So, Barak, welcome. Thanks so much. I'm excited to be here, uh, especially having gotten to reconnect with all of you guys a lot. And um, it's been really cool. I've learned so much, and I actually use each one of you in examples of things that I talk to current players. Um, but not only that, just to be able to talk to two of the best tennis players I've ever coached and Tom is really <laughs> exciting. <laughs> I knew it's it going to be a great episode. So, um, so Barrett, just, just give everyone who's listening, um, give your background and where you're coaching right now. So I've coached uh, college tennis for 11 years. Um, I started uh, a program in Florida, Ave Maria University. Um, from there, went to Young Harris College, was there for, uh, I think, five years, um, which is where I got a chance to coach all of you. Um, from there, I went to Metropolitan State University of Denver. Um, which was a really unique, fun experience. And uh, uh, I'm currently now at uh, Mount St. Mary's University in Maryland. Um, so my wife is uh, hoping that we stop moving, but uh, we'll see, who knows. Cool, so what we thought we'd uh, discuss in this podcast, we talked a lot about, um, like last week we talked about how much tennis people should be playing for their certain goals. We've talked about college tennis, but what we wanted to do, we've got, four guys right now who have all in some capacity been college coaches now uh barrett you've the only one who's actually been a head coach and the rest of us have been assistant coaches um i was actually your assistant for a year right so um so yeah we've all got experience on kind of what we're looking for as coaches and so if there's any players or parents of players that are looking to go out to the states and do the college tennis thing hopefully this episode will give you an insight to what coaches are looking for and, and how you can give yourself the best chance to one, make it into a team and then to play for a team because it is a constant battle to make lineups it is a constant thing of, of being the best player for your team. And the coach takes that into consideration when um, they are looking at their lineup and who potentially can win for them. So um, Barrett, I'm going to start a question with for you. So, Let's start with the recruiting side of things. The players haven't even, you know, gone out to the States yet. What kind of things are red flags? And then what kind of things are you looking for in players? Yeah, so the, right off the bat, the, uh, I think something that most people don't take seriously enough is their, their GPA, um, their high school grades. Um, so many colleges, I've been to, like I said, I think four or five different colleges now, um, all have different academic money that they can use. Um, all based on GPA. Uh, mm -hmm. There are a certain amount of student athletes, if, if you're not a fully funded big program, um, that you just can't make it work with uh, a, a package to get them the you know, academic money and athletic money, um, especially when you get to schools that are you know, a higher cost. The, the school where I am currently, it's the total cost is $60,000 a year. Um, so if, if you're coming with a uh, low GPA right away, our academic money is so small that it's, I, I really can't even take a look at them. I, I can't make it work because we don't have 
you know, we're not fully funded. We don't have all the scholarships the NCAA allows. So yeah. right off the bat, it's, um, you know, there's, there's certain checkpoints where you look at on paper before you even know the person. You're looking at them as, um, you know, here's the type of academic standard they're bringing in. Um, and the next, which I, I actually really don't like, is uh, UTR right now. Um, I think in a, in a weird way, UTR has uh, hurt recruiting um, in a lot of aspects because you don't get to know the person as much. Um, a lot of coaches don't ask about the personality, how well they will fit within the university and what they will do for the culture of the team. They just look at a number, um, just like I talked about with the GPA. You know, they just like, this is the number, this is the standard they're going to be. And it really doesn't translate, um, honestly, into uh, the college game of coming in and fitting within a team environment. But those are the two first things that coaches are going to look at before before they even reach out, respond to an email, or make a phone call. Yeah, I think there's, there's two really good points there. Like, for anyone who's listening and doesn't understand what fully funded means, it's basically if you're a fully funded program, then you, for guys, four and a half scholarships, and for girls, it's seven, right? It's still so seven. D- Division one, it's eight. Um, it's eight. And for Division two, it's six. Okay. Um, so I think NAIA is eight as well. Um, so yeah, females have a much larger for tennis have a much larger chance of getting full scholarships, but that's only dependent if the school is fully funded. Fully funded, yeah. And so a lot of schools, you know, won't be fully funded. But even if they are, especially on the guys' side. You're looking at only four and a half scholarships, so you can't give everyone in the lineup, or especially everyone in the roster, a full scholarship. So they're going to have to, if they can come in with a a good GPA or high grades, wherever country they're coming from, it allows the team one to be stronger because they can have better level of players because you can give out more scholarship, um, and two, it allows you the bigger chance to go to schools that will be in a better better situation. So that's a really good point, but. The second point I think is a, is a massive one, and I'm going to bring Vulzi Amadi into this as well, is that UTR, like, in my opinion, all tennis systems are flawed, like whether it's ratings, rankings. Um, it's so hard to accurately depict a player's standard by a number. I think UTR is the best one so far that, that's, that's ever been out there. As one is it's universal. So, again, for anyone listening to this, if you don't know what UTR is, it's basically – a score from like, I think the lowest UTR I've ever seen is like a three or a four. And then it basically goes up to about 16, 17, I think Federer, Nadal, 16, 17, something like that. And so it puts you in a category where colleges won't even look at you. Um, Like again, like a a good D1 school won't look at anybody who's below a 12, let's say, maybe a 13 even. And so if you're an 11, you're not even going to be looked at. They're going to get an email from you and it comes in, oh, look at this guy's UTR, girl's UTR. And typically girl's UTRs are lower uh, on the lower end. But again, still, you know, I think the equivalent would be like a guy who's maybe 13 or 14, a girl would be like maybe 10 or 11 if I'm yeah, a girl, right a there. Nine, nine and a half for a girl is around the same there. Yeah. So again, it puts players in categories. And so one of the issues I have with it is that, Players have the potential in college to grow so much and become such better players, not just on a technical part of things, because I think by the time you get to college, the technique is pretty much installed. But physically, mentally, being part of a team can really raise, I know it did for me, really raise the level of tennis that you can produce. And if you're not even been able to be looked at because of UTR, 
then it's um, it, you're not even going to be able to get that opportunity. So I do think that that's a that is a flaw in the system. Um, and again, if uh, any for my best advice before I hand it over to Vulzi and Marty, play as many tournaments as you possibly can because the more tournaments you play as a junior, the more accurate that UTR is going to be. Like if I do believe that if a player has played a lot of tournaments and is playing enough tournaments, then it will be relatively accurate. But if a player hasn't played enough, then it could be wildly inaccurate. So, Ballsy Marty, what do you think? Yeah, uh, the, the, UTR, the, the UTR thing is quite an interesting topic because I think, yeah, it's probably at the moment one of the best systems in terms of, you know, uh, it really tells the level of the player and it's quite right, that number and the level. Mm. But it's true that, it, you know, there's a lot of things about the person that are missed out. Uh, and for instance, I have, I have uh, coached players uh, that are, want to go to college and they are so into, I got to have this UTR number to get into that college that I really want to go. And I, they start getting very tight in tournaments, very tight in practices, and, and they cannot lose it up. So in a way, it's very good because the number is quite uh, certain about the level. But, you know, maybe we are forgetting about the person, what, what's, ha- what's happening to the player, yeah. you know? So I don't know if, if you know, Elkins can can talk to, to us a little bit about, about that, you know, when, when, how, how, you, how do you do the recurring aspect? Uh, do you ask players directly, okay, what's the UTR? Or like you said, um, you, also, you also ask them questions about how they are as a person. Yeah, so I like to, um, uh, I think most of my work goes into the recruiting process and trying to dig deeper and find out more than just the, the number itself. Um, uh, I'm uh, uh, Tom knows from being around me probably the most is I'm, I'm a why person. I want to know why. Um, and so I look at the number and want to know why it is what it is. Um, there, like you said, there's, there's stories untold on UTR. Um, you'll get some players to only play on clay or only play, you know, all their tournaments um, uh, indoors or outside. And then you'll come to a college. I'm in the Northeast and we play most of our matches indoors. Um, you're going to get a player with a great UTR who comes in, uh, you know, from clay courts coming to fast indoor and their game doesn't, you know, translate. Yeah. So, um, so I'm going, I'm one who I'm going to dig in pretty deep and, and look at the results, look at where they were played. Um, uh, the truth is every single person um, is going to have a reference or two that's going to be good, whether they're the greatest person you've ever met or, they're going to come and be awful for your culture. So I try and have several conversations with them. I, I ask very um, serious questions, very leading questions to them, trying to find out, you know, more about them and um, how well they would fit on the team. I think you guys know getting one or two players, you know, that come in on a tennis team that hurt the culture of the team, um, UTR doesn't matter anymore at that point. Yeah. It's going to bring everybody else down. So going in and looking at the entire person and, you know, Another is making sure that they'd be happy at your school. I've been to different schools and um, it's easy just to say, well, this player's great and I want them here. But if they're going to be miserable, if you're, you know, if, you, if you're in a city and they want to be in a rural area or vice versa, um, they're not going to be happy. You're not going to get good performance out of them. Yeah. Um, so I, I think there's so much more that goes into the whole person and their college experience um, than just that number and what they've done to get to, to get themselves recruited. Yeah, for sure. And like, 
I mean, Marty, you've probably had working at the high, high performance center in, uh, in Florida, you probably had a lot of experience from young players and the pressure they feel to hit this UTR, to fit this mold, to try and because they, they've only got a, a finite amount of time to become this package that a coach is going to either look at or he's going to go click to the next one. And I think, again, Bao, you have a big responsibility as a recruiter, as a coach, to give people chances and give people the opportunity to, um, to find out why, why things have happened that way and, and prove their point. Marty, I used to tell my players, like, you don't play tennis by numbers. You don't play by rankings. You don't play by how many points it's worth. Um, you just play. And if you're good enough, and if what you're doing in practice is working and it's translating onto the match court, you'll get the UTR that you need if you get to the level that is that, that you know that re reflects that. Marty, what have you seen from coaching juniors? What have you seen? Is UTR being a positive to you, or has it been a negative? Well, I think everybody brought out some great points. It can affect the player, and some players it, it helps them. Some players like that pressure, and they perform better mm. with that adrenaline going through as they're competing. I like UTR from that sense because when you go into college, it's a different pressure for, than playing for yourselves as we talked before. Mm. So if you can handle the UTR pressure and be able to win matches in that environment, you're probably going to be a good college player because yeah. you, you know, you, you've learned how to handle that pressure, pressure and it's going to translate. Um, I wanted to bring up, a uh, way that I used to recruit when I was coaching at Auburn University in Montgomery, we mm. would ask players if they could send us matches, live matches in tournaments. Of, mm. well, not live, but recorded matches. Mm. And this served us very well. You could see the game style of the player, their, their, their ID, how their body language was. And uh, to be honest, I think it was you could truly see through them when you, when you recorded a match that was in yeah. a tournament. Have you, I was going to ask Barrett, have you ever recruited this way? And has it, have you ever used it as a tool? What do you think? Yeah, not, not only have I recruited that way, I, and, and I, didn't, I didn't do that early on in my career. I kind of learned that later um, to, to kind of look at full matches. Um, uh, but I actually uh, bought cameras at the school where we are now. Um, I'll put them up in practice, and um, everyone changes when they're on camera. Um, everyone changes knowing they're being recorded. Uh, it's been a, a tremendous tool for us. Um, a lot of the issues, the chippiness in practice, you know, when you're playing against each other goes away, um, yeah. which, which I kind of didn't think was going to happen, but it's amazing if you can go back and look at the film and, and the players know you can go back and look at the film that all of a sudden those little things that they're doing start to go away. And I, I don't think it's necessarily a good problem we have that people know if they're recorded, they're going to act differently. Um, but on the flip side of that, a full match, it's, it's much tougher to hide, much tougher to hide those, those body language, the composure that they have, how they handle, you know, comebacks, you know, good shots from the, from their opponent, how they handle their own mistakes over a long match. You, you can't hide that as well. So yeah, I do think that's a really good, good way to, um, to get two coaches. But I also know a lot of coaches who won't spend the time on watching them. Yeah, um, right. It's sad. It's sad. But I know a lot of coaches just will just go by, let me see two minutes of it, see your UTR. Okay, now I'm going to recruit you or not. Yeah. Hmm. 
So I think, I mean, some fantastic points there. And like we touched upon, well, you touched upon culture. And I think that's the next stage of this, right, is for anyone who hasn't played college tennis or anyone who has played college tennis will know that the culture of the team is so important. Ultimately, in college tennis, you are um, you're gazed and judged by winning and losing. But so much goes into winning and losing and the why that you mentioned earlier. And, you know, I feel like very fortunate for, you know, the team that we all played on and, and you coached. That one year that we had, the culture was fantastic. Like, we were all brothers. And, I mean, we even, you know, even having guys on the sideline that weren't playing were a massive part of the, the why we did so well that year. And yeah. I think when, when coaches are recruiting and when players are trying to be recruited, the other thing that maybe even club coaches and academy coaches, the pressure they have on them is to produce young players that will excel in that situation, will excel in a team environment, will be someone that will, won't tank matches, that will be um, you know, a motivator in practice, a motivator in, when, when you're doing physical stuff. So talk a little bit, Barrett, about what you're looking for in your culture when, you, when you're looking at a team, how you assess it, and then how much of that does it go into when you decide your lineup? Yeah, um, tennis is the most unique college sport in that all the preparation or 99% of the preparation from juniors all the way up until college is that almost a different sport than when you get to college. It's all yeah. individual. It's not a team aspect. Um, and and it, it is really tough because you will find those people who, like you said, will excel in those um, circumstances and come on the team environment and just crumble under the pressure right away. So um, that is definitely tough. Um, one of the ways that I've handled that this year, um, I'm at a school, they want us uh, to grow our rosters and we're trying to continue to, to build and bring in good people. It's helped our culture a little bit, but um, we ran challenge matches for the first time ever. I'm, I'm not a big fan of that. Right. Um, but we did that this year. And one of the things that I saw in the fall was when it came down to matches where, I mean, most of the time people know when they're playing challenge matches, if, if they're number eight in the lineup and they're playing the number one, they're going to go out and play freely and not put a lot of pressure on themselves. But when the matchups do come where they know that it's a real test for them, that they have to beat this person, some people are going to stand up and do really well to it. Um, others are either going to come up with an excuse or, um, you know, are just going to, gonna, I don't know, going to kind of show their true colors. But, um, Barry, Barry can, you, can you explain uh, for whoever is listening what is challenge matches? Actually? Yeah, oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Challenge um, for us, we did a challenge ladder challenge matches where we had uh, all the guys on the team play against each other. Um, and I told them from the beginning, we are going to make our lineup for the first two matches solely based on the results of the challenge match. So everyone on the team played each other. I put a system in place of ranking each match of, um, you know, I, I didn't make it just a completely fair. Um, in a, you know, the number one plays our number 15 and, you know, the results count the same as if he played the number two guy. Mm. Um, so I put a different, um, you know, statistics on each match and uh, I had an algorithm and um, I, I think it's very, very accurate for what I would have um, uh, predicted. There was a couple of people who really stepped up, which uh, I'm happy to see. 
a couple people kind of really uh, took the pressure and didn't play very well and have kind of pushed themselves out of the lineup right now. Um, this doesn't mean that's the lineup for the whole year, uh, but right now they've, they've earned themselves a chance by just competing, going out and competing. Um, but to kind of go back to the second half of that question and answer this one is um, I took the culture, how they acted, how they treated teammates uh, during these matches um, into account as well. Um, we had a couple of guys who, um, you know, every team, there's some guys who either get chippy against each other or, you know, have maybe not the best blood out on court and they want what's best for the team, but, you know, there's just something there. And um, some of those guys handled it very well and some didn't at all. And we really had to sit down and, uh, you know, talk with those guys about the importance of the full team. You can go out and lose every single match. Um, but your team could win every match that year and you're yeah. still contributing. Yeah, and sure. that's something that's so rare coming out of junior tennis is knowing you could go on a five match losing streak. And, and let's, let's use Joanne as an example. You didn't, so I'm not throwing you under the bus, but you played number one um, for the team that we have here that, you know, that you guys all played together in a conference that was just loaded. Um, yeah. And there were times where um, you had really good matches and lost close matches to some really good players, but our team went out and won. And mm -hmm. if you went out and said, oh, well, I'm losing matches and got disheartened and quit, well, then now we're moving everyone else up, and our team now has a much less chance of winning. So having someone out there who knows, hey, I'm our best chance to win at this spot right now, even though I'm not doing it, I'm helping our whole team, is a lot bigger than someone saying, well, if I win my match, I help. If I lose, I don't. Uh, that's so, such a that's such a massive thing for for players to understand is that when you get the culture right you even though tennis is such an individualized sport when you're in college tennis it's all about getting the win as a team and it's however you do it at that point i think why we did so well that year is because that was the mindset for everybody was it was yep. us versus them and it's not me versus my opponent yep. and you know, in practice, we would be encouraging each other. We'd be wanting, you know, you know, at the end of it, it's, it's a very difficult mindset to get into, because, but you want the person who is below you in the lineup to be pushing you because you yes. know, the, hey, we're good. If this guy's pushing yeah. me, we're good. Like, I remember, you know, being in a, a couple of years where like our five and six um, weren't, were completely off the level that we needed, especially a couple of times in the fall. And I remember being like, I'm, there's no chance I'm not being in the lineup, but I'm mm -hmm. worried this semester because I don't think those guys are going to cut it at that spot. And yeah. we can't win a match if only four of us uh, are, are competitive. We, we need, we'd realistically need eight guys that are competitive for the whole year because you need to, you know, injuries are going to happen. People are going to, you know, have good and bad patches. And I think it's such an important thing. And like, you know, using Vulzi example, me and Marty saw a massive uh, benefit for the fact that Vulzi was playing one because we won a lot and we were playing, you know, middle to the lower part of the lineup and we became a very strong team because in a lot of those teams, we wouldn't be playing those positions, we'd be playing higher. And so you know, it's just, it shows that even losing at one makes a huge difference to why your team is successful and understanding that and taking the responsibility of that as well. So, um, Money. I remember just yeah. real quick when we were playing and Joan was on that top court, just seeing him there fighting for his match, even though he might have been down, 
just 100%. seeing him on there fighting while we were fighting on ours just gave me the confidence that, you know, we still have a chance here. So, and I will say as well, like, Vols did very well. So, like, yeah, he was winning, you know, the teams, yeah. the teams that he, he was supposed to win, he, he went, he took care of business. But again, the, the level of tennis at that point, especially the Peach Belt, the conference that we're playing in at that year or the couple of years yeah. there, the top guys it was a tough one. Were, were so good. Like, so it was a tough one, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for taking that bullet, John. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. I, even, you're welcome, guys. I still tell people um, the match against Armstrong Atlantic. Uh, John goes out there and he plays, uh, what was it, uh, Ruminoff? Was that? Um, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, that's right. I remember. Yeah, uh, and you're friends with him. And you went out there and you lost, and I'm sorry for bringing this up, you lost 6-0, 6-0, and you came off the court and you said, I played really well. Yeah. And I tell people about that a lot because you did. You played, he was just, he was, he was in a whole different league. I mean, the guy, yeah. I mean, the guy's been two, champion. 200 yeah. in the world. I mean, yeah. that's the level of tennis we're talking about here where yeah. he's having to deal with it. And like, but I mean, I mean, you know, go the, the pleasure of this is that we get to kind of go back down memory lane and we get to kind of yeah. see the experience. And, and, you know, all of us haven't been in this situation for a long time where all four of us have got together. But the one semester that we actually spent with each other forever we will be able to pick up the phone and talk because we bonded so well in that year because of what we went through. I mean, you know, traveling to different states to play, taking on other teams and that camaraderie that you just can't match it. I, I've never been able to match it in anything else I've ever done. And um, when, when it's going right, it's going right. But when it's going wrong, what, what kind of struggles do you see and how do you deal with those struggles? So one thing that uh, my wife, Amy, and I joke about a lot during these is um, I don't like to, to be the bad guy. Um, mm. But I'm also very aware that sometimes it's best for the team that I just become the bad guy. Yeah. Um, I, I saw, and, and with this team in particular, there was a one time about uh, the middle of the season, people started to get a little complacent. Um, and there was a little bit of issues. I know, um, I don't know all of the details, but some of the guys that weren't in the lineup were upset and there was some division starting to go. And um, I remember a couple of times just kind of letting people have it a little bit. And, mm. um, and, I, and I remember it got back to me um, a couple of years later, it got back to me that, you know, I, I, everyone got together. They were mad at me because they didn't think I was listening to certain people on the team. And I, to me, that was the best thing that could have happened because I, I'm very aware that sometimes the way to bring people together is to find a common enemy. You know, I yeah, think yeah. another thing that, uh, you know, you said that we all had these, you know, great bonds, these great traveling. I think with all of us, um, I think we had it out. All three, uh, you know, I had it out with all three of you at one time. Yeah. You know, I yeah. had the utmost respect for all of you. Um, and never was it something personal. Um, I mean, Amy still talks about all three of you guys, you know, as, as some of my favorite players that I've ever, you know, gotten to be around. And I think it's important to be able to, have that um, and to know that you can be mad at someone because you want them to be held at a higher standard. And I'm sure at those times I was making mistakes at the same time. And, you know, just, I happened to be the coach so I could, you know, be the one to, to take it out, I guess, in a certain way. But um, I remember Marty and I had it out in my office one time. Um, <laughs> I felt like after that, like our relationship was 10 times better. You know, yeah. it, it left in a screaming match, you know, and, 
Um, Joan and I, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to get into the story, but I pulled Joan off of a match one time. Oh, uh, this is one of the best moments of his career. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, but, it's, but, uh, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you, you did, you did well there. Because yeah, uh, you, you said, you said, no, no, seriously, because you said the, the standard, you know? I appreciate that because I don't, I don't know if I've ever heard you say that. Uh, before, but I appreciate that because that was one of the honestly one of the toughest moments I've ever had. And the reason yeah. it was so hard is you were right. You were right. Yeah, and yeah, just, yeah. yeah I remember. The whole yeah, situation, yeah. you were right, and it just it was uh, whatever. We won't get into that. We won't get but, into that. But, but it's, it's it's those moments, and it's it's the the you know when people look at a tennis season on paper, it doesn't look that very. It doesn't look very long. It is yeah. so intense. It yeah. is. Like four months of just consistently training, yep. traveling, playing, training, traveling, playing. And it's like you can play three or four matches in a week. And when, yep. like, I don't know about you guys, but I've never had it where one match took so much out of me. Where, like, you play one match in a day and you're so exhausted afterwards. Like, you play the first round of a tournament and you're fine. You can play next day. But, like, playing back-to-back -back college matches is a whole different animal the stress mm. and the, you know, just the emotions that go into that. And you're yelling you know, that, from court to court the whole time. You're yeah, yelling like, to your teammates. There's, it's just, there's no, there's no break in energy. A hundred percent. Like if any players who are potentially listening to this or players that are, um, that are, you know, um, thinking about, or even currently playing, it's like embrace that embrace it. Cause that's what college tennis is all about. Like as a mm -hmm. coach, I, you know, I, we all went and did the assistant coach part. I can remember me and you, Barry, when we were down in Florida and Gil was playing in that far match and it was to, to, to clinch the match. And I've never been so nervous in my life. And like, not, you know, I was in situations where um, I was, the, I was the, the, the match at the end of the match to win the rubber when I was playing. And I wasn't anywhere near as nervous as when Gil was playing two courts yep. down i had no control over it i could just talk to him and change of ends but it's like the excitement the passion when it comes off it's great and like we've talked about it previously on the podcast before like when you when it goes right and you walk onto the bus and everybody goes crazy and like i could remember when we beat flagler yep. and we all just went mental and then there's times where you're the guy that lost the match and you didn't yep. lose the match overall because everybody everybody yep. played a part but you feel like you lost yep. the match, or a player yep. that tanked, or if you got pulled off court, and you've got yep. to walk onto that bus, and it's mm -hmm. down to that team chemistry, that um, environment that you guys create, whether that player is going to make it for the rest of the season, because one, one moment like that, if the team turns on you, that's it. And okay. um, I mean, Marty, what, what advice would you give to a player right now that's maybe in the middle of all this? Um, what would you give them like just, just, just. If you could talk to a player right now who's in the middle of it, what would you say? What would you want them to embrace? I would say I'm told, this is going to a player who's just joined a team, who's new to it, and you know, just getting to know all the juniors and seniors people that have been there, and the coach. Just listen, do your job, and, and learn as much as possible, and do not be selfish. Be the guy who you would like to partner with. So yeah. be selfless in other yeah. ways. Ballsy, what would you say? Totally. 
No, I was in the, in the same line as Martin uh, and taking it from my own experience, you know, uh, the selfishness part is a big one uh, because like uh, Barrett said at the beginning as well, uh, for an international uh, uh, player uh, that is coming from juniors, uh, you have always been on your own and when you get there in the US uh, in a team, you really don't understand what's going on and, and sometimes you're selfish uh, because I know I was selfish at, the, uh, at my freshman year. So, yeah, same point as Martin. Just listen and, and, and trust the people you are around with and you're going you're gonna to learn a lot. I think it's important as well, like, as we're in this, in this situation now where we were the players and Barrett, you were the coach. I think it's also important for players to not run to the coach for every single little thing that goes wrong. It's that your players have to build that bond between them and then yep. you have to manage that. Right, it's not. Yeah. It shouldn't be up to the coach to consistently try and build the environment that the players are in or the culture that they have. It's for you to, you know, as as a coach to um, nurture that and to um, to help that grow and 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 teach and guide. But the players also, there are times where you've got to have it out with each other. There are times, Pauls. Yeah. I, I remember that you know the match where um, where you got pulled off. I laid into mm. you. You know, because we'd had that big team talk and then or like two games in, it happened and we laid into each other. But me and you were best totally. mates the whole way through. We went to every single college together and, you know. Yeah, totally. And it's, it's one of those things where we hashed it out and it didn't have to go any further than that. And, it's, and I think as a, as a coach, you're allowed to then actually focus on things that you need to do rather than having to break up little mini fights that happen, you know? Yeah. Yeah, one, one example, actually, and I, I could be wrong, but I think it was Marty. Uh, Tom, it was when you were the assistant coach. Um, something was going on. Uh, I think it might have been uh, Marty and someone else. It was, we, were, we were playing practice matches out there. Yeah. And uh, Marty, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I think it was you. You started fighting with whoever it was was out there, and Tom jumped up to go start to break it up, and I, and I, I grabbed Tom. I said, no, stop. Yeah. I said, come back. And I, and yeah. I, I, remember I that. just kind of let it all play out. Uh, you know, obviously watching closely to make sure that it was under control. Yeah. But kind of let Marty and, and I don't – I'm sorry, I don't remember who it was. Um, but kind of have it out on court, and then afterwards, again, I think things were better. I think it was, it was – a lot of things have been building up. It was necessary. And, yeah. you know, sometimes within the culture, you guys don't necessarily say all the things that are on your mind, and you need to get it out. I think yeah, that was one of the times that was – it was good for for our team for that to happen. Yeah, you yeah, know, I agree. I was uh, I used to hold a lot in while yep. during my time in college. I didn't speak much because I didn't want to disrupt any anything that was going on. But yeah. I do remember. Yeah, you let that happen, and I felt better after. I feel like yes. I even played better after. You know, getting it all out wasn't yep. the prettiest language, but you know, sometimes yeah. it's it's just going to come out at some point and somehow. Yeah. So, got to let it happen. But that's the other beauty of college tennis is that there is so many different cultures, so many different personalities, mm -hmm. so many yep. different things that can, the situations that can happen. And I know for me, you know, being captain, like that really elevated my game because one, I felt I had to, you know, set a standard on and off the court, which allowed me to produce better results. You know, I also was, I became very close with everybody because and it helped me coaching wise afterwards because I understood how to talk to different people. And such an important skill is to learn, you know, anyone who's going into college or is in college will know is to understand different cultures where you've been, 
you've grown up in your own culture your whole life and then all of a sudden you get thrown into this situation where you've got guys and girls from all over the world and you've now got to play on the same team as them in a new environment that you're never you haven't been used to doing anyway um and it's 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 a fascinating i mean it's a fascinating thing for for you know, a human study to be honest is the seeing how people respond to it and again all of us from different different sides of the world and you know what how many years is it now eight years is it eight years yeah eight years on and we're still able to jump on and uh barry still can give me some abuse and um <laughs> it's uh you know I had a lot written down i was gonna i was gonna <laughs> go a lot farther but i i decided to stop there so well, we'll have to bring you on again and then you can just be a, a roast of Tom, you know. I'm in. I'd love, I've got some for all of you guys. So don't <laughs> <worry>. <laughs> well, Barrett, we, look, we really appreciate you coming on. We will get you back on and we'll do an episode where we kind of go through a lot of the memories. And um, if we can get one where we can get more of the old gang back in, I'd love to like get Gil. Gil in would be fantastic and, and, uh, and, and Gabby as well. Um, but guys, it's been a pleasure um, for anyone who's listening as well. You know, we get the analytics of this and we really appreciate you guys listening to us. Like we're just, we're just tennis players, tennis coaches that love the game. And, and we love the fact that we get to get together every week and discuss tennis and discuss memories and stuff. Some of the best years of our lives were when we were together playing and, um, and we appreciate the fact that you, you listen to us for however long we go on for um and uh and Barrett, good luck with the rest of this season um i know it's going to be a, a tough one with all the covid rules and you know things but um yeah really good luck and again yeah, really thanks, appreciate thanks, you thanks so much i really appreciate not only being here but just catching up with you guys it's been awesome miss you guys and if you guys ever need anything please feel free to reach out awesome appreciate all right guys it. appreciate it, appreciate it Barrett. Right. see you boys see ya